Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Father, we thank you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. We thank you for what you've already done in this experience, but we ask for more as we take this time to look at your holy written word. Cause our eyes to be open, our ears to be open, our hearts to be open to receive what you have for us today. Father, I need your help. I only want to say what I hear you say. I only want to do what I see you do. So that Jesus may be glorified, lifted high, made famous in our lives. As always, Holy Spirit, have your way. Move through, move and up and down every single aisle, through every single screening device. Touch every single heart. Let no one leave this experience the same. Father, we're open to every gift, grace, anointing, mantle, and manifestation you see fit to show forth in our midst. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for what you do today and as a result of today. In Jesus' name, everyone say, amen. Say with me, say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated in the presence of God. Go with me to Psalm 27 once again. You'll find my notes on the Faith Plus app as well as the YouVersion Bible app. Also, a reminder to all of our online campus that you're watching, make sure that you have the extra device. I know a lot of you watch on your mobile device, but this will be a great time to start the feed on your computer or your TV or your iPad or however else will be an additional way because there's a part of today's message that you're going to need to use your phone to interact with something we have prepared for you. Psalm 27, verse 13. It says, I would have lost heart, or I would have fainted, unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, this passage has been our main text since New Year's Eve, and we've been talking about the extreme goodness of God this year. And we said this word goodness here in Hebrew means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision. It's good in the widest sense of the word and good to the farthest extreme. We said this word wait does not mean to do nothing. This word wait means to eagerly expect and look for. Waiting on the Lord does not mean to sit down and do nothing. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is not an inaction. And we looked at it last week in the weeks prior that if we're really waiting on God, we're in a place of expectation. If we're waiting on God, we're in a place of obedience. We talked about last week how if we're waiting on God, we're not going to be like the, the early followers of Jesus who stayed in Jerusalem when God said, I'll, be, I'll meet you in uh, Galilee. If we're really waiting on God, we're going to be where he told us to be, doing what he's called us to do. There's a lot of people say, I'm waiting on God to do something, but if you're not in expectation and you're not doing the last thing he told you to do, then you're not really waiting on God. You're doing something, but you're not waiting on God. It's a very religious phrase, like, oh, I'm waiting on God. But we have to ask ourselves, are we actually waiting on God, or are we just doing everything else and giving it a religious term? If we really want to see the extreme goodness of God this year, we have to put ourselves in a position of expectation. Now, go with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. We'll look at verses 13 through 15. We'll read from the New King James. Matthew 25, verse 13. And so one of the things you see, and we referenced last week, there are a number of parables and teachings Jesus did in the last few days before he went to the cross, and a lot of them were about the time we're living in right now. And so looking at the end of one parable going to the next, he says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. 
So if you have a physical Bible, you can underline his goods, or you can just highlight this verse in your app. He delivered his goods to them. Now, we just said God's goodness is prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the Father's extreme. And Jesus, representing the master in this parable, was saying that he imparted goods or goodness to his followers. How many of you can see that? And then he lists some. Verse 15, and to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Say his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now this talent is not talking about an ability or a skill. This word talent was a measurement of weight that represented an amount of money. In today's money, a talent would be worth $1,400,116.57. So it wasn't like, here's a 20. He entrusted these three servants with millions to manage. Because a lot of us know the end of the story about the guy with one talent who wasn't grateful for his million dollars. This wasn't a small amount. These were large amounts he entrusted to people based on their own ability. And we know how the parable goes. God expected them to take what he's given them and increase it. I'll say it to you this way. If you take all the gifts God's given you and you get to heaven and you give it to him the exact same quality, you've not done a good job. God is the greatest businessman. He expects production. He expects increase. He expects results. You know, I like to say it this way. You know, you get saved on day one. He does not expect you to be perfect by day two. But do you know what he wants by day 100? Growth. <laughs> Thing is, you could have got saved 100 years ago, but you shouldn't still be in a spiritual diaper. Running around like Tommy and Chucky and the rest of the Rugrats. God expects a little bit more. Well, sometimes people get saved, and that's where they stop in their Christianity and their growth. And they think, well, now that I've been saved 50 years, I'm a mother of the church. Well, have you grown? Well, I'm an elder, maybe in age, but not in maturity. Spiritual growth is not linear. Say, spiritual growth is not linear. Spiritual growth is when you take the truth and continually apply it. And so that's how we've all seen these people, people who've been saved, on fire for God, serving God with a mighty and burning fire. They witness to everything move. They witness to the trees. They witness to the bees. They witness to the lizard. They witness to everything. They're on fire. A couple years later, you look at them, you don't even know if they believe in Jesus anymore. What happened? They're on fire. They seem mature. But somewhere along the line, they start applying the truth they knew. And now they're not as mature as they used to be. And that's not something that's new to this age. When you study out the book of Acts, that happened there. There are people of the seven deacons who were honored in Acts chapter 6 who ended up becoming an enemy to the people of God. Nothing is new under the sun. So, oh, it's just, you know, these millennials, these Generation Z. No, no, no. It's people. People are people. That'll set a lot of people free. People are people. And you as a people. And unless you submit your habits and your thoughts to the Word of God, you'll get people results. If you want the Word's results, you got to do the Word. And so we see Jesus commits these goods to these servants. But then you see another similar parable in Luke 19. Go there with me. Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Because a lot of us have expectations on people who've been given a lot of abilities. These big abilities, these big callings. Yeah, they need to do good with what God's given them. God's given them so much. Too much is given, much is required. Sure. You know, you're just like, I'm not sure if I'm quoting the Bible or Spider-Man. But somewhere in the meantime is revelation and truth that what he wants us to do. Luke 19, verse 11. Now, as they heard these sayings, he spoke another parable. This is at the house. When Remember, we talked about what happened when uh, Zechariah, Zacchaeus, because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants and delivered unto them ten minas, and said to them, Do business or occupy till I come. Now, a mina was three months' worth of salary. It's not the amount of a talent. 
Compared to a talent, it's a lot smaller. But to one, he gave 10 minus, and to another, five, and to another, one. He divided the different minus according to what he gave. Excuse me, that's another parable. He said, 10 of his servants delivered them to 10 minus and said to them, do business till I come. So each one got one. And you might say, well, I didn't get a talent. Well, you got a minor. See, that preacher, he's got a talent. Well, you got a minor. What are you doing with his? You love on social media. I don't think he should have done a play like that. Who asked you? People need to be careful criticizing the anointed of God, especially if the anointed are doing exactly what God said. Don't put your mouth on an obedient servant who is doing what the Holy Ghost said. Because what happens, you become a burden or a yoke in their life, and the anointing has to remove you. Or as the scripture says, who are you to judge another man's servant? So don't get caught up just because saints and ain'ts like to run their mouth. Don't join it. Don't comment on it. Don't get yourself out of the place where you're supposed to be. Some people miss out on what God has for them today because they were running their mouth a few years ago. And Harvest was trying to show up for them, but your mouth criticizing and canceling them, someone else, canceled your harvest. Your mouth is one of the ways you harvest. But if you're always criticizing, remember, criticism is not a gift of the Spirit. So the gift of discernment, that's not what that gift is. It's discerning of spirits, not the gift of being nosy. Well, I'm prophetic. That doesn't mean you're nosy and judgmental. So many Christians are their own worst enemy. Satan doesn't have to get involved. You're bad all by yourself. Because you haven't trained your mouth. So to some he gave talents, and to some he gave minus. And to each, they were expected to use what God has given them and cause it to multiply. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's walk through these things. Because there's no one in here can say, well, God hasn't given me anything. God's given me a lot. Whether you call it a talent or mine, God has given you something. He expects you to use what he's given you. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7. Notice what the Holy Ghost says through the apostle Peter. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. That's a revelation. That could be a 10-week conference right there. But we'll keep going. Verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Are you a good steward of the gift God has given you? If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Are you a good steward over the gifts God has given you? Whether you call them talents or minus, are you a good steward? Because, you know, we all believe ministers should be good stewards of our ministries, right? They should. The Bible tells them to. But the Bible also tells you to be a good steward over the gifts God has given you. Just what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, just what if? You took the same standards you judge someone else by and apply them to your life. Just what if, what if, what if? Because we like to judge others by their actions. We want people to judge us by our heart. But Jesus said, the same way you judge someone else is the way you're going to be judged. So if you have to judge, you judge with truth and mercy. Because that's the same standard you want to be applied to you. But if you judge unrighteously, you will get the hardest. You will cancel good things because you're judging everybody else. How, How do you have that much free time to judge the rest of the world? I just want to know, how are you managing your time that you can judge all the other billions of people on the planet? Because you need to teach a master class on um, managing your time. Either that, or you just not do what God's called you to do. Romans chapter 11, let's go there. God expects us to be good stewards over the gifts he's given us. And sometimes we're not good stewards over our gifts Because we believe 
because of our mistakes and our past, that the plan of God for our life is canceled. That you're just taking up space and air until you go to heaven, but the plan and the call in your life is over with because you did something stupid when you are a child or a teenager or in your 20s or your 30s. Whenever you said that you don't matter anymore or the plan of God's not worth it anymore, you said there's no way God can use me. Romans 11 verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable or without repentance. In context, the apostle Paul is talking about Israel and God's plan for Israel, which still stands this day, that the covenant promises he made in the Old Testament to Israel will still come to pass. And a lot of them we see happen before our very eyes in our generation. What God promised to them will come to pass. God did not cancel Israel, and he did not cancel you. Here's what happens. If people can get you to believe that God is not working with Israel today and God has no plans for the future of Israel, after they convince you of that, they come after you. Because it's a promise, it's a covenant, and God has made covenants with you and promises with you. The gifts and the call for your life are still here. God did not change his mind about you. Even if you've done tons of stupid things, he didn't change his mind about you. You know, I like how someone said it before, that when God called us, he factored in our stupidity. He factored in our shortcomings. He factored in knowing we would miss it. God did not cancel you. That's why you don't need to participate in cancel culture, because God did not cancel you. So don't cancel others. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. That means your gift is still relevant, and your gift is still here. Whether you've used it in a couple decades or not, your gift is still there. That call is still there. Notice how gifts is plural, but calling is singular. You will have many gifts, and they're given to you to fulfill the call. Your gifts were given to you, whether they're talents or minds. They were given to you so you could fulfill the call of God upon your life. So your focus has to be on the call, not the gifts. Because what happens is gifts become shiny toys we get distracted by, and we follow the gifts, not the call. Every gift God has given to you is to help you fulfill the call of God upon your life. There is no person on this planet who's not received gifts from God. And there's no believer on this planet who hasn't received even more from God. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Each one of you has gifts. Each one of you has abilities. Each one of you has skills. The question is, are you using them to fulfill the call of God upon your life? Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll read verse 10 from the Amplified Classic Edition. Say, I have gifts. Say, I have a call. You have to understand there are no accidents in the plan of God. That God didn't forget about you. He knows your name, and he's planned for you to be here for such a time as this. And that we do believe Jesus is coming again soon, whether it comes in this generation or the next or sometime after that. One of the things God has, what he called us in this generation, in this time, our calls are connected to the return of the Lord. So everything he's called for us to do is preparing the earth for the return of Christ. Every arena, every place he's called you to be is connected to the fact Jesus is coming again soon. That's part of why you're gifted the way you're gifted. That's why you're called the way you're called. You might say, well, my gifts, they seem so random. I'm gifted here and gifted there. My gifts seem random. God gave you those gifts that seem random to you because he knew what this time would call for. I remember, so when I went to Orium, I was a broadcast journalism major. I was a media major, and I minored in business. And people were like, well, why are you studying media? We all know you're called to preach. I already went to ministry school. They said, we all know you're called to preach. But then 2020 happened. And someone texted me. and said, if any of us needed to know why you went to media back then, we know now. I didn't know that was going to happen when I 
signed up for my major, but I knew that was what God put in my heart when I was in high school. Your gifts may seem random, but they're purposeful because Jesus is coming again and you have to do your part. Go to Ephesians 2 Amplified Classic Edition. It says it this way. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works with God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. God has a path for each and every one of us. That's why you don't compare your path to somebody else's. Why? You ain't on their path. Why are you looking at their path? Look at your own. God has a path for your life. You know, last Sunday I was talking to my oldest, and I was telling her that all the decisions I've made since I could remember, especially from teenage years and older, I've done with the mindset to stay on the path God has for me. The greatest success you'll ever find, the greatest fulfillment you'll ever find is on the plan of God for your life, on the path God has for you. No matter the distraction, no matter the temptation, no matter the discouragement, you need to stay on the path. Because if you get off the path, it didn't change the plan. It just made delayed when you arrived. You know, use an example. So let's say you're trying to go somewhere afterwards, you get on I-20. There are different exits you can take. But if you get off on the wrong exit, guess what? You didn't cancel your plans. You just delayed your arrival time. The path is still there. You just got off the path. And there's some of you for different reasons, maybe reasons that make sense. You're not on the path. But today I'm reminding you, get back on that path. Your gifts are still relevant. Your call is still there. God has not canceled you. One of the reasons I wrote that devotional last year, and I will do more with it this year, called Jesus, Son of Rahab, is because so many people think they have to be perfect for God to use them. And when you look at the lineage of Jesus, God didn't use perfect people all the time. There are some people in that lineage who we would think, oh, if they came to church today, woo. But God called them heroes of faith because they didn't end where they started. As we sang in the song, God's not done with you yet. So you have to keep moving forward down the path. And if you're off the path, get on the path. Now, was an ancient example, the original Wizard of Oz. What happened when they got off the Golden Brick Road? All types of drama. Sleep in the poppy fields. Get back on the path. Whether you got to follow the yellow brick road or ease on down the road, whatever you got to do, get on the path. God has for you. Because God made you in a certain way to fulfill the plan of God for your life. And so what we're going to do right now, if Daniel, if you put the QR code on the screen, you also found this link in my notes. I want to help you discover how God has made you. Now, a lot of us are familiar with this test, the DISC test, but there's a little way we're going to do it today. So if you take out your mobile devices, you can scan that QR code, or if you just want to access the link within the app, you can access that link and I want you to take a few moments while Brother Franklin gives us some test-taking music. And I want you to answer these questions. Be honest. Don't be super deep. Please be honest. Say, be honest. Answer these questions. Because I want to show you something after you take this test. We'll give you a couple moments to take this test. So if you're online, go ahead and take this test. If you're in this room, go ahead and take this test. Be honest. Answer these questions. you in a certain way to fulfill the plan of God for your life, even with how he crafted your personality. Let's go ahead and take this test.
once you finish taking the test, make sure you hit the submit button and you'll see your results pop up. some of these results. So for the D personalities, you are dominant, direct, task-oriented, decisive, organized, outgoing, and outspoken. As you embrace these strengths, notice these are strengths, also make sure to listen attentively to others, support other team members, invest in personal relationships, Balance controlling and domineering tendencies and value the opinions, feelings, and desires of others. So how many say, well, that's, that was my number one. Just wave it. Just, just wave a little bit. Some of you are like, I don't know what I want to wave. Just come on. We're all here for a reason. We're all put together. All right, put your hands down. Eye personalities, where are y'all at? Where, where are the eyes? I'm one of them. So Lohan says, eye personalities are influential, witty, easygoing, outgoing, and people-oriented. As you embrace these strengths, also make sure to be aware of tasks that need to be accomplished. Balance your emotions, words, and actions. Remember to consider details and facts. Slow down your pace for others when necessary. Listen attentively to others instead of only talking. Choose thoughtful decision-making over impulsive decision-making. Something like that revelation just hit some people. Oh! Some of the S personalities, who's any of the S personalities in here? S personalities are steady, stable, analytical, introverted, and people-oriented. As you embrace these strengths, also make sure to take initiative. Practice flexibility. Approach confrontation constructively. Be direct in your interactions when necessary. Realize change can be healthy and be willing to adapt. Consider the overall goals of your family or group, not just specific processes or procedures. Now, C personalities, where are the C people? All right. C personalities are compliant, competent, task-oriented, goal-oriented, and introverted. As you, embrace, as you embrace these strengths, also make sure to be decisive when necessary, cultivate personal relationships, be open to others' ideas and methods, Balance your focus between facts and people. Focus on doing the right things, not just doing things right. Help others accomplish their goals. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. So notice there are no good or bad personalities on that test. It's not either or. They're all good. You were made in a certain way to accomplish the goal God has for you, to fulfill the plan of God for your life. And your personality has some strengths. Embrace your strengths. Embrace your strength. It's like God told Gideon, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that you have. But as you do that, pay attention to those weaknesses too. Or how about this? Have friends or a faith community that can see your blind spots. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Let's talk more about the gifts God gives. Skipping to verse 11, it says, And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So these are what we call usually the five-fold ministry gifts. Why did he give them? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, a lot of times we think the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are supposed to do the ministry. But that scripture just says they're given to equip the saints to do the ministry. Let's say that again. It says they are given to equip the saints to do the ministry. Because if it's only those fivefold ministry gifts doing the ministry, stuff ain't going to get done. If you are a believer, you are called to the ministry of reconciliation. There is an area of ministry God has called you to serve in. Some of the giftings and talents and minus he's given you, they have a purpose within the house of God and outside the house of God. I remember someone told me years ago, one of my deacons, he said, you know, one of the things he learned in corporate America, he said, I thought I learned it for my career, but I realize now I learned it for my church. That corporate America was paying for all these things, and he's learning and applying all these things in corporate America. But then he saw the need was right here in his church. He was able to step in and help at this pivotal time. Let's keep going. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God up to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. How does he define children? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. As a part of the body, you have a supply and a share. So I have a supply and I have a share. One more time. So I have a supply and I have a share. Now, in the universal body of Christ, we all have our part, supply, and share. But in this local body here at Faith, we all have a supply and share. And notice what the scripture says. Growth is given, increase is given as the supplies and the shares come together. Guess what? What happens is only 20% of the body adds a supply and share. You grow at a growth weight of somewhere around 20% of what that 20% can do. But what would it look like if everybody gave the supply and share? How much more could we get done? That means we have to change our mentality from being consumers. I just got to get a word. I got to get a word. I got to get my word fixed. Okay, I get it. We, yes. We are word junkies. We desire the word. We want the sense. We want the meat of the word. That's good. You should have a hunger for the word. But you shouldn't just come to church to give the word. You should come to church to also give your supply and share. The Corinthian church had a lot of issues, and we talked about them earlier, but do you know what? Something they had down? They came ready to be used by God. Because Paul said, how does every one of you have a word, an utterance, a tongue, a this or that, or this and that? It wasn't a knock. It was good. He had to give them some rules to kind of regulate it, to organize it. You know, those rules, you know, I really believe that a lot of churches can't even apply those rules because they don't have that stuff happening. We can knock the Corinthians for a lot of stuff, but at least they knew when we gather together, God wants to use us. You have a supply. You have a share. And as you give your supply and give your share, the whole body grows. I go to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not going to read through the whole chapter. I'm just going to paraphrase it. At the beginning of chapter 12, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual brethren. The King James is spiritual gifts, but gifts is italicized. So he's not just talking about gifts. He's talking about things relating to the Spirit of God. And he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about these things. And then he lists the nine gifts of the Spirit that we can break down to three groups. The power gifts, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, the gift of faith, or the gift of special faith. Then there's the utterance gift, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And then the revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. These are the gifts of the Spirit. And the Scripture says in chapter 12, they operate as the Spirit wills. 
So these nine gifts, you can't just turn on, oh, I'm going to use the word of knowledge right now. That's not how it works. It's as the Holy Ghost wills. And he's more willing than you think he is. But only he can turn that gift on. Now, the word of knowledge is part of God's knowledge and information concerning the past and the present. The word of wisdom concerns God's plans and his purposes and things concerning the future. The prophecy is a supernatural message in a known tongue. Tongues, diversity of tongues, is a supernatural message in an unknown language. And the interpretation takes that unknown language and puts it into a language the people in the room can understand. Then you have the gifts of healing. Of course, it's plural, gifts of healing. That's how you have certain ministers that every time they pray for someone, man, stuff with backs and knees always happen, but someone else has eyes. There are different types of the gifts of healing. The work of miracles are supernatural interventions in the courses of nature. So those miracles can happen in our everyday lives, but also when Moses part of the Red Sea, when Elijah did what he did, those were the working of miracles. The gift of special faith is faith sometimes like you saw in Daniel, receiving that angel from heaven. It takes the gift of faith when it concerns the raising of the dead, even the casting out demons, that the gift of faith steps in. When that gift hits you, it's impossible to doubt because now it's not just your faith you built, it's God's faith working on the inside of you. Now, the discerning of spirits is seed into the spirit realm. And so if your eyes were open and you saw angels or demons or the similitude of God, that is the operation of discerning of spirits. And I just say, oh, I had a feeling about that person. That is not the discerning of spirits. These nine gifts work as the Holy Spirit sees fit for them to work. And there are some he'll use you in more than others. But it's up to him to activate those things. You just put yourself in a position. If you keep yourself in a position where you can be a blessing to others, God will use you. Now, there's one gift of the Spirit that says God wants every believer to operate in, and it's the gift of prophecy, which is a supernatural message in a known language which edifies, builds up, encourages, and comforts. If you put yourself in a position to encourage people, then God will use you to prophesy. Prophesy does not mean to tell the future. It is a supernatural message in a known language that encourages, edifies, and comforts. Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes a little bit more than that. Now, when God uses you in that way and he starts telling you about stuff to encourage people, make sure you just say what he says. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it because sometimes we get so excited. Oh, man, God is using me. Man, it is registered. Look, they're crying. Oh, my gosh, it's working. It's working. And we get really excited. And we add five paragraphs the Holy Ghost didn't say. Stick with the Holy Ghost. Stick with the anointing. When he stops talking, you stop talking. And he said, what happens? It's quiet. We, he's looking. Well, then lead him to Jesus. They ain't saved. Lead him to Jesus. So why do I want to say? Just bless him in the name of Jesus. You're good. If you need to lead him to Jesus, we lead you to that prayer every Sunday. Pray that prayer with him. Oh, I messed up one of the words. It's, it's okay. You'll be fine. He said, well, they're already saved. We'll just pray that God shows them what to do. Simple. Keep it simple, saint. Let's get to the end of chapter 12. Because Paul goes on and talks about we are all different members and parts of the body. The eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the eye, well, I don't need you. We are all parts of the body. We all have our roles, our supply, our share. And whatever your role is, make sure you do your job. One of the things we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked about David and talked about some of the trouble he got himself in. And I would just wonder if David actually had some mentors, would he got into that same role? Because that same trap David fell into, Samson fell into. And if Samson, because Samson and David, Samson's anointing is the same anointing that was on Saul, Samuel, and David. God told Samson, you are anointed, he told his parents, you are anointed to begin to deliver my people from the Philistines. David and his crew finished the job. But they all lived in that same time frame. And we believe that God wants us to live long and live strong, and we all know Samson died early. Some people even believe he died in his 40s. He died during the same time that Samuel was alive. He died probably in the early years of King Saul. What if, what if Samson just finished his course? and was able to pour into a young up-and-coming giant slayer and tell him, this is what you watch out for. This is what almost tripped me up. This is what got me in the land of the Philistines. What would have happened to David if someone fulfilled that course? Just because it wasn't Samson's time to lead anymore doesn't mean he didn't have a role in the body. 
There was another incident when David is coming back from Absalom's treachery. There was an old gentleman who has served years past, and David said, well, come back with me. I need your help. But the guy said, I'm too old. My body is too frail. I can't do it anymore. I would imagine someone who has lived that long has some wisdom the king needed. And what if, what if that older gentleman who said, I'm too old, my body can't work anymore, followed that anointed king? That anointing that was on that king would have hit that old gentleman. He would have felt younger again. Everyone has a role. Fulfill your role. No matter what generation you're in, you have a role. You have a supply. You have a share. You've got to do your part. Because God has anointed you in a certain way. And this generation, this time, needs your anointing. It needs your gifting. It needs your role. And then he ends chapter 12. Talking about ministry gifts. And God has appointed these in the church. First, he sent apostles, then prophets. Next, after that, third, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. Helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. So we know here he's describing the fivefold ministry gifts we see in Ephesians chapter 4. He just uses different terms. We see gifts of healing and working of miracles. We know that usually describes the office of the evangelist. But since God has broken them up, you see sometimes they'll be in an evangelist, but they can also be in other ministry gifts. And then when he talks about administrations, you see a lot of that in the office of the pastor. Helps. Well, what is helps? It's not deep. If it helps, it helps. It's not deep. If it helps, it helps. You might think of all the stuff we have to do in this day and age to run ministry and do church in this day and age. If it helps, it helps. And there's an anointing for it. Then it talks about varieties of tongues. You see that a lot in the office of the pastor and the office of the prophet. Now, notice what he says next. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Is he talking about your personal prayer language? No. He's talking about operating as a ministry gift where tongues and interpretation are concerned. He's not talking about your private prayer language. He's talking about ministry gifts. But I want you to focus what it says next. Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. So you're supposed to desire, this word desire we see here in chapter 12 and chapter 14, it's used in a negative sense for coveting. But in use in this context, in the same way people covet stuff, you need to covet the gifts of the Spirit to be used by God. And use the, you want the best gifts. Well, pastor, what's the best gift? Anybody want to know what the best gift is? The one you need at the moment. If you need a gift of healing, but all you got is a word of knowledge, well, that's great, but you need the gift of healing at the moment. Desire the best gifts and desire a greater manifestation of the gifts. See, the Holy Ghost is creative, so he has many different styles. But he wants the gifts to operate at their highest level. So talk about this. Some people have a gift of being a musician, right? Some is just a talent and skill. Also, it's a gift. I remember when I was, I think it was a freshman in high school, and my Spanish teacher was giving a testimony about some relatives who, have, who live in Cuba and work in a church there, that they were blessed with a drum set. But nobody in church knew how to play drums. But they didn't want the drum set to go to use. They said, well, do we have any willing volunteers? And one guy stepped up, and the elders of the church laid their hands on him and prayed. He's been playing drums great ever since. It was a supernatural impartation of a gift. Now, look, I can't do what these guys do. That's a gift. Now, what, how gifts work, you want to keep growing in your gift, to get to the higher levels of the anointings of your gift, to where it's not just a gift, especially if you're called to the ministry offices. You grow from just having the gifts and working the gifts, and then you stand in an office, and you sit in an office. There is trajectories of growth and progression where gifts and talents and anointings and offices are concerned. And so for all of those who are in the band or you're on the praise team, don't you desire to master your skill? Please do. Please don't desire to, okay, I'm going to hit every note. Please do. There is excellence required in skills. But go after the anointing of the psalmist. You say, well, I'm not called to be a psalmist, but you can still operate under that anointing. 
whether you're in that office or not, when you put your gifting before God and you seek to grow on that gifting, you'll step into higher anointings. So you want to take the gifts God has given you and grow them and so that you can step into the anointing. Because when your gift is under the anointing, it reaches way more people and has greater impact. And the anointing is not just for those who stand behind the pulpit. The anointing is for every person in the body of Christ. Uh, Christ means the anointed one. If you say you're a Christian, you're calling yourself anointed. That means the anointing should show up wherever you go. In the boardroom, the anointing should show up. On set, the anointing should show up. In the office, the anointing should show up. On the sales floor, the anointing should show up. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to fall out. That's not all the anointing does. Sometimes anointing does knock people out. But that's not all it does. It doesn't give spiritual goosebumps. The anointing is the ability to get results. And if God has called you to those places, he's anointed you to get results in those places. Go to Romans 12. I'm trying to speed up. There are anointings for you. There are anointings you already have. But if you position yourself to be faithful and stay on the path, you'll receive more. I remember years ago, Lady Raquel and I had an opportunity to sit with Brother Copeland. And it wasn't like there was a lot of people in the room, it was just 12 of us. And all of us were either our teenagers or in our early 20s. And he was poured into us as leaders of tomorrow. And so he talked to us for two hours. Two. He took time out of his busy schedule just to pour into us, which I'm eternally grateful for. Half the time, he talked to us about what we ate. Half the time. He says, the decision to live 120 doesn't start when you're older. It starts when you're a teenager. You need to catch up. But then he started talking about, to us about the purpose of longevity. He told us that, you know, he was like, he had his prayer journal with us. I just got this in prayer. You guys mind if I share it with you? I'm like, we ain't going nowhere. Share, sir. And he said, the Lord had asked him, he said, are you more anointed now than you were when you're 40? And he said, yeah. Well, what about when you're 50? Yeah, he's talking about how the anointing was growing as he kept following God. And God was telling him, said, I need people who actually stay long enough so that they can operate in 90-year-old anointings, 100-year-old anointings, 110-year-old anointings. And so the, as you stay faithful and stay on the path and do what God has called you to do, that anointing is supposed to grow. You're not supposed to be, oh, I was really anointed when I was young. Great. How about have more now? It's not just supposed to stay in the mountain. It's supposed to increase. That imagine the anointing that was on Moses, God took it and put it on 70 others, and Moses was still good. God wants you to grow in the anointing. Say, God wants me to grow in the anointing. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Notice what the Apostle Paul says here. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Say use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so now we see what some call the motivational gifts or what we call today the grace gifts. These aren't the gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I mean 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are gifts or abilities or talents that God has given each and every one of us. And although we may think, well, this is how I'm wired, it's actually a supernatural expression working in your life. And so these motivational or grace gifts are what we would call exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, preaching, service, teaching. These are the different gifts God has given. And we've already talked about the music gift already. And all of you have at least one of these gifts. Maybe more. So guess what? There's a test for that. So on the last page that you guys had, you see a link to take the grace gifts. Go ahead and hit that link again that's at the bottom of the page to go take the grace gifts test. It's a little bit shorter than the other ones, and please don't be deep. Just answer honestly. If you often feel that way, then say yes. If you don't ever feel that way, say it. 
Don't say, oh, I don't feel bad about people's sad stories. If you don't feel bad about it, then just, just be honest. I, I, that doesn't move me, bro. Let's answer these questions. I'll take a couple minutes. Let's Brother Jarrell give us some more test-taking music. Anybody a little bit more time? receiving results already, you'll see in parentheses, great places for you to use your gifts and serve on Team Faith. Great suggestions, you know, hint, 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 hint. A good place for you to be involved in. Because gifts grow as you use them, and there's a purpose for your gift within the house of God, and there's a purpose for your gifts outside of the house of God, and you want to use them in both places. So let's give some definition to some of these gifts. And as you've seen, like if you sign up, you can get these gifts sent to you via email to your results. The exhortation gift. The gift of exhortation is the divine strength or ability to encourage others. Giving. The gift of giving is the divine strength or ability to produce wealth and give liberally for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God on earth. Leadership is the divine strength or ability to influence people at their level while directing and focusing them on the big picture, vision, or idea. The gift of mercy is divine strength or ability to feel empathy and to care for those who are hurting in any way. 
The gift of music or worship is a divine strength or ability to sing, dance, or play an instrument primarily for the purpose of helping others worship God. The gift of preaching is divine ability to declare or teach the scriptures to others. The gift of serving is divine strength or ability to do small or great tasks in working for the overall good of the body of Christ. The gift of teaching is divine strength or ability to study and learn primarily to bring understanding and growth to others. Gifts grow because you use them. And one of the things you see in parentheses are just different places to serve or where to serve. Because your gift has a place here and outside of here. But you need to make sure that you use your gifts. And one of the things is, how many of what M-Day stands for? Anybody want to know what M-Day stands for? I'll, I'll let you know. Because one of the things I said when I was first installed a little bit over nine years ago, I said, this is not a Butler thing. This is not the Carrick and Raquel show. This is about Jesus. M-Day stands for member. All of this is about who you are, how God has created you, how God has equipped you, how God has anointed you. It's not just about me. It's all of us doing our part, giving our share, giving our supply, connecting, doing what God's called us to do. And as we do that, we're able to do more for the kingdom of God. And so if you're not serving, today is a great day to sign up. You know, it just happens, just happens. Because I asked him to put it there. It just happens to be a link at the bottom of where you can sign up to serve on Team Faith. Now, pastor, don't, do we have to take the membership course to sign up? Well, guess what? Today's message counts as your membership course. So you don't have to go online and watch the video. It's like, oh, I just need to pray a little bit before I watch it. Nope, the video has already been streamed to all y'all in this room and all you in all the different states. And you might be someone who's watching in North Carolina, Virginia, California, Idaho, Utah. We got people watching all over who watch us regularly. That you say, well, how do I serve online? Click online support or a social media marketing team. And we'll get in touch with you about how you can serve wherever you are, whatever state you're in, or also for our people who watch all the time in Brazil, in Kenya, United Kingdom, and other places. We'd love to get you plugged in as well. There's a place for all of us, whether at this campus, the online campus, the federal campus, whichever one, there's a place for all of us. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.